Welcome to PQ Talk on Call, a podcast dedicated to current and aspiring intensivists. I'm Pradeep Kumar, coming to you from Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, Emory University School of Medicine. And I'm Rahul Demania from Cleveland Clinic Children's Hospital. And we are two pediatric ICU physicians passionate about all things MedEd in the PICU. PICU Doc on Call focuses on interesting PICU cases and management in the acute care pediatric setting. So let's get into our episode. Welcome to a special episode called PICU Doc on Call Shorts, where we break down a key basic science of physiology concept and highlight the clinical and bedside relevance. Here is the case presented by Rahul. Here's our case today. A six-year-old patient admitted to the PICU with the diagnosis of severe pneumonia is in front of you and you have noticed that the patient has pediatric ARDS. Upon admission, the patient exhibited signs of respiratory distress, including tachypnea, hypoxemia, cyanosis, and an initial arterial blood gas revealing a pH of 7.32, PaCO2 of 50, PaO2 of 58, and an oxygen saturation of 88% on room air, indicative of significant respiratory acidosis and hypoxemia. The patient, for increased work of breathing, was promptly intubated and placed on mechanical ventilation. Subsequently, the patient had severe hypoxemia and the diagnosis of pediatric ARDS was suspected given the lung physiology as well as the chest x-ray findings. The ventilator settings were adjusted to a tidal volume of 6 mLs per kilo and a PEEP of 10 with an FiO2 of 0.6. These were all initiated to improve oxygenation. So despite aggressive initial interventions, The patient's condition remained precarious over the first 48 hours. Serial arterial blood gases revealed persistent hypercapnia with the PaCO2s consistently above 65. The patient's physical exam was notable for diffuse bilateral crackles on auscultation, decreased breath sounds at the lung bases, and use of accessory muscles even while the patient was intubated and sedated. The lung injury was suspected to be severe, and additional laboratory findings indicated a lactate of 2.5, an end title of 25, and this was significantly lower than the measured arterial PaCO2. All right, listeners, here's a most recent arterial blood gas, a pH of 723, a PCO2 of 58 a PaO2 of 60, a base excess of minus 3, and the lactate was 2.5. Patient's oxygenation index on a PEEP of 12 is 18, based on PARDS guidelines indicating severe pediatric ARDS. At present, the entitel is reading 30. So as a big picture, this gap between the measured CO2, in our case is 58, and the entitel CO2, which is 30, measured at the ventilator is indicative of a high amount of dead space. So let's quickly go into the definition of dead space. So what is dead space? So Rahul, can you tell us what is dead space? In short, dead space essentially is a volume of air that does not participate in gas exchange. It is conceptualized as the areas of the lung that may be ventilated, but are not as well perfused. 
Taking a step back, it is important for us to break down this concept into anatomic dead space and physiologic dead space. Anatomic dead space refers to the volume of air in the respiratory tract that does not participate in gas exchange, encompassing the large airways such as the nose, pharynx, larynx, trachea, and bronchi. This is because these airways only serve to warm, humidify, and filter the air, but do not facilitate the exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide with the blood. So on the other hand, physiologic dead space includes not only the anatomic dead space, but also the alveolar dead space, which is the volume of air in the alveoli that does not participate in gas exchange due to issues like ventilation perfusion mismatch commonly seen in lung diseases. In healthy patients, it's really important for us to note that the physiologic and anatomic dead spaces are relatively the same, with the apex of the healthy lung being the largest contributor to alveolar dead space. This is at zone one of the West zones. So to summarize, physiologic dead space is the volume of inspired air that does not participate in gas exchange. And we have to think about it anatomic and at the alveolar level. Now, Pradeep, let's talk about a slightly related but separate term. Can you tell us a little bit about what is pathological dead space? Excellent, Rahul. So pathological dead space occurs when there is an increase in non-functional alveolar space due to conditions that disrupt normal pulmonary blood flow or ventilation, leading to areas of the lung that are ventilated but not perfused effectively. Now, in the ICU setting, this can result from various pathologies, such as uh, pulmonary embolism, severe pneumonia or ARDS, as seen in our patient, where inflammation, injury, or obstruction in the lung creates an area where gas exchange is significantly compromised. Now, pathological dead space is recognized in the PQ by evaluating the efficiency of gas exchange and presence of ventilation perfusion or the VQ mismatch, often indicated by an increased difference between the arterial PaCO2 and end-tidal CO2. This gap suggests a significant portion of the ventilated air is not participating in gas exchange due to areas of the lung being ventilated but not being perfused. A practical approach to assessing the pathological dead space involves calculating the dead space fraction, which is given as VD divided by VT using the formula dead space fraction equals PaCO2 minus n-tidal CO2 divided by PaCO2. Easy way to remember this is PACO minus PICO divided by PACO. Now, this calculation helps quantify the extent of VQ mismatch and guides the optimization of mechanical ventilation settings. For PQ fellows, remember the CO2 gap association. The larger the gap between the PaCO2 and entitled CO2, greater is the pathological dead space. That was great, Pradeep. And I just want to reinforce that mnemonic, PACO minus PICO divided by PACO. Now, if you multiply this value by tidal volume, you will get the full determination of alveolar dead space. The dead space calculation, it's very important for us to know, is usually a ratio, and thus there are not units that we need to really associate with it. 
Remember that PaCO2 and N-tidal CO2, usually those are going to be measured in millimeters of mercury. Rahul, I love that mnemonic. And I'm going to say it again. Paco minus Pico divided by Paco. So in the pediatric ICU, the normal dead space ratio varies, but is generally expected to be less than 0.3 or 30%, indicating that a majority of the tidal volume is involved in effective gas exchange. Now, values exceeding this threshold suggest an increased physiologic dead space indicative of ventilation perfusion mismatch and warrants further investigation and management in the PQ setting to optimize respiratory and circulatory support. That was a great explanation, Pradeep. So let's go back to our case. For our patient, let's do the quick calculation. Our PaCO2 was 58. Our N-tidal CO2 was 30. Now, if you're listening to this stationary, go ahead and take out a pen and paper. If you're driving, just keep focusing on driving. So the formula here is PACO minus PICO divided by PACO. So if we plug in the numbers, we get 58, which is the PaCO2, minus 30, which is the N-tidal CO2, divided by the PaCO2, which was 58. If you do the calculation, the VDVT, or the dead space fraction, is 0.48. How do we think about this? A dead space ratio of approximately 0.48 means that nearly 48% of each breath does not contribute to oxygenation or carbon dioxide removal, indicating a significant amount of pathological dead space. Remember, our normal value was around 30%. This high dead space fraction suggests a severe ventilation perfusion mismatch common in conditions like pediatric ARDS. It indicates that despite the patient receiving ventilation, a large portion of the air is not reaching adequately perfused areas of the lung for gas exchange. This is great, Rahul. I think it is also important to think about in obstructive lung disease, dead space as a surrogate for every resistance, especially when you have a difference between your peak inspiratory pressure and the plateau pressure and a gap between the PaCO2 and entitled CO2. Now, particularly in conditions like bronchiolitis or asthma, these obstructive conditions can lead to uneven distribution of ventilation, exacerbating the VQ mismatch and thus increasing the physiologic dead space. Essentially, when alveoli are not recruited or they are hyperinflated, you'll have less of them participating in gas exchange and thus increase in your dead space. So what can we do practically at the bedside? Rahul, what can we do practically at the bedside given this information? Absolutely. So what we're talking about right now is the increase in dead space. And my management schema is going to be threefold. Number one, optimize mechanical ventilation. Two, enhance perfusion or oxygen delivery. And three, think about optimal positioning. When it comes to optimizing mechanical ventilation, you want to adjust the ventilator settings to improve alveolar recruitment without causing overdistension. This may involve increasing PEEP to keep alveoli open and using lower tidal volumes to prevent ventilator-induced lung injury. You want to aim for a balance that maximizes efficient gas exchange while minimizing additional lung stress. Enhancing perfusion involves addressing underlying causes of impaired perfusion, such as fluid management, optimizing hemodynamics, 
and even considering ionotrope if the cardiac output is compromised. The goal here is to really think about the cue and improving blood flow to ventilated or recruited lung regions. Positioning is also something to consider. Implementing prone positioning can significantly improve VQ matching by redistributing blood flow to better ventilated areas of the lung, especially in pediatric ARDS patients. There's an evolving body of evidence that is looking at prone positioning. Pradeep, let's review these concepts we've talked about by also incorporating what the pediatric ICU literature notes about dead space and its implications in pediatric ARDS. So Rahul, increased dead space fraction or DSF in pediatric acute respiratory distress syndrome is a significant prognostic factor linked to severity and mortality. The DSF or the dead space fraction, particularly the alveolar dead space fraction, can be calculated by the formula DSF equals PACO minus PICO divided by PACO, where PACO is the arterial carbon dioxide tension and a PICO is the end tidal carbon dioxide tension. This metric is indicative of the volume of alveoli ventilated but not perfused and therefore not participating in gas exchange. Absolutely, Pradeep. So physiologically, an increased dead space fraction in pediatric ARDS reflects a mismatch between ventilation and perfusion and the presence of non-perfused alveoli, which is often due to pulmonary vascular injury, inflammation, and microthrombi formation, leading to impaired gas exchange. In the context of pediatric ARDS, an elevated dead space fraction signifies worsening lung injury, contributing to the inefficient carbon dioxide removal and oxygenation failure. So clinically, studies have shown that a higher DSF or dead space fraction at the onset of pediatric ARDS is associated with increased mortality and can serve as an independent predictor of non-survival. For instance, Yeya et al. in 2016 found uh, that alveolar dead space fraction was significantly lower in survivors compared to non-survivors in pediatric ARDS at onset, and it effectively discriminated mortality with an area under the receiver operating characteristic or the rock curve of 0.76, indicating its utility as a clinical biomarker reflective of pulmonary and non-pulmonary variables associated with mortality. The AVDSF at pediatric ARDS onset was independently associated with mortality and discriminated mortality better than initial OI or the PAO2-FIO2 ratio. Additionally, the association of dead space fraction with mortality has been validated across various other studies, emphasizing its relevance in assessing disease severity and guiding therapeutic interventions aimed at reducing dead space ventilation to improve patient outcomes. So in summary, an increased dead space fraction in pediatric ARDS is not only indicative of severe lung injury, but also a predictor of mortality underscoring the importance of monitoring this parameter for risk stratification and management of these critically ill children. So going into a summary of today's episode, one of the key things I want to emphasize is the physiologic dead space equation or the Bohr equation. That is going to be PACO minus PICO divided by PACO. How do you get your 
PaCO2, you get an arterial blood gas. How do you get your end tidal CO2? Work with your respiratory therapist and trend that value on the ventilator or on the monitor. Remember that in a healthy lung, the dead space is going to equal the anatomic dead space. So the physiologic dead space is going to equal the anatomic dead space. And typically 30% is the normal value. What you want to do to reduce dead space is to implement lung protective strategies that in ARDS especially use lower tidal volumes and higher PEEP, preventing alveolar overdistension and minimizing the ventilation perfusion mismatch. You want to trend your dead space fraction throughout your patient's condition. You want to optimize fluid balance and even consider prone positioning. And finally, strategies aimed at improving airway patency and enhancing mucociliary clearance can also be considered. By inducing bronchodilation, things like albuterol can improve airway patency, enhance gas exchange, and reduce the amount of non-ventilated alveolar space, effectively decreasing the dead space. Airway clearance with albuterol has been shown to improve mucociliary clearance, which can help reduce airway obstruction and thus can recruit more alveoli to participate in oxygenation and ventilation. This concludes our PQ Doc on Call short on dead space. We hope you found value in our short physiology explanation and its relevance to the bedside. We welcome you to share your feedback, subscribe, and place a review on our podcast. Please visit our website, pqdoconcall.org, which showcases our episode as well as our Doc on Call infographics. PQ Doc on Call is hosted by me, Pradeep Kamath, and my wonderful co-host, Dr. Rahul Dimania. Stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you. Thank you.